Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Open your Bibles, would you, to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 6 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Parents Matter. And what a privilege it is to be entrusted with children. As we read in Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. And happy is the man who has quiver full of them. Children are a blessing and a gift and an heritage from the Lord. And parents, you matter. You matter a lot. You matter so much more than you probably realize. God has entrusted to you the next generation to love, care, raise, and ultimately launch them into the world as lovers of Christ. And parents, you have one goal. You don't have five goals, you don't have 10 goals, you don't have 20 things you need to be overly concerned with. You have one priority as a parent, one goal, and that singular goal is to get your kids to Jesus Christ. That is your goal, parents. That is your singular purpose on the planet Earth as a parent, is to get your kids to the Lord, that he might, they might know him personally, they might serve him wholeheartedly, and that they might live eternally in his presence. Parents, get your kids to Jesus. It's more important than figuring out a career for them. It's more important than getting them into the right college or all the important decisions that you'll be used to make in your child's life. Your singular purpose is to get them to Jesus. Now listen, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles, there is a battle. There is a battle raging for the loyalty and commitment of your child and of their heart. There's a contest, you could say, for your child's heart. It's a fierce battle for their mind that's never ending. They're faced with so many more choices today than you and I ever were. I mean, you're facing the same choices that they are, and yet kiddos are not well-developed. They're growing. They're, they're in a position of learning. And they're in a world that's very attractive. Sin is very alluring and tempting. And unfortunately, so many of our Christians' homes are very confusing. And if they're confusing for adults, they're absolutely overwhelming for your kids. Your kids are vulnerable. And it's always a wise choice, parents, to relentlessly pursue your obedient submission to Jesus, choosing to abide in him, that you might lead your kids in the way that they should go. Notice with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a very foundational passage in the life of the Hebrew believers, and by way of extension to you and me today, it's known as the Shema, a prayer that would be recited every day by a Hebrew man. Notice with me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is an instruction of the atmosphere that God intends for your home. An atmosphere filled with mom and dad, hearts that have been captured by the word of God, and a mom and dad that are constantly, continually thinking of and speaking of the God of the word. It's not simply having the word of God, but also a worshipful life of the God of the word. And you're to be talking about it, living it out in your lives. It's to be evident in your house to your children and anyone that would come through. I mean, the Jewish people today take this so seriously that the conservative uh, Jews that are worshiping today, worshiping God in Judaism, they will take and put the little boxes with the word of God on their forehead, literally. They'll wrap things, frontlets around their, around their arms. And then every doorway in Israel, if you come to Israel with us on our tour, you'll see this. Every doorway has a little box there with this scripture inscribed, wrapped up and put on the doorpost along the side of the door so that when you go in, you touch it to be reminded of the Shema. And each of the things that are written have to be approved by a rabbi. But they've taken it seriously in the wrong way. This isn't to be a religious experience. This is to be the atmosphere of your house. Knowing the commands of God, meditating upon them. This will enable you to understand God's heart and apply it in your life. It will prepare you as a parent and put you in the position to imprint them on your kids' hearts. Because you need to understand something, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt, uncle, however you have influence on kids. Living out your faith is one of the most important decisions you will make in your home. You will not accomplish the goals with your children that you're looking for if you take this approach. And maybe you don't say this, but perhaps you live it out. Maybe you do say it. I know years ago and generations ago, they would say this out loud. But now you don't say it out loud so much anymore, you keep it inside. This will not work. If this is your parenting methodology, what I'm about to share with you, it will not work, it will backfire. You will find that the exact opposite of what you want from your kids is gonna happen if you choose to parent this way. Telling your kids, living out for your kids, do as I say, not as I do. They will not listen to you and only choose to do what you do. They, they, your kids are sharp. Highly intelligent, very observant. I mean, if you think of what your kids do as they grow up, all they do is watch you and listen to you to some degree. And as they watch and listen to you, they pick up on, even though they don't have the word for it, they can smell a hypocrite a mile away. They may not be able to say it. They may not be able, I mean, again, you, you probably don't have the platform where one day at, at, uh, at dinner time, you know, your little five-year-old gets up and say, mom and dad, you're a hypocrite. They're not going to do that. They're going to live in respect. They're, they're going to honor you to the best. They, they know consequences at age. But you know what they do? They internalize it. They see it in the level of understanding. And every year they see hypocrisy in the home, unchecked, growing. They're going to choose to follow it as well. The problem is, of course, with kids, they get in trouble all the time because they're not as sophisticated to hide it like you are. 
they don't know exactly how to play this game and to put this over here and to put on a good front. They're not that sophisticated. But if you continue to live in such a way where it's do as I say and not as I do, you're going to ruin your kids. It's going to hurt them deeply. Very challenging to recover from that. You got to understand something, parents. Our kids wrestle with their flesh too, just like you do. They, they wrestle with their, that, that carnality of their life that leans toward sin. And you could say that they're always looking for a reason to sin, to indulge their own flesh. And you have a responsibility, parents, to take that seriously. It's not the church's responsibility to raise your children. It's yours. God has entrusted those kids to you. And they're not even your kids. They belong to God. They've been entrusted to your care and my care as parents. But it's not my responsibility to raise your kids. And neither do I expect you to raise my kids. Now, of course, from this vantage point, as I've taught this message for many years, I have now we had the privilege with my wife to raise my kids into adulthood. And never along the way have I ever expected you to raise my kids. God's responsibility has been given to me. I'm going to answer to God for my children. I'm going to answer to God for the decisions I've made. The church is a place of instruction for sure. But the Sunday school teachers are not going to raise your kids, although we're going to give them the word of God. Every layer of our church is designed to teach the Bible verse by verse to anyone and everyone that comes through our doors and that's affected by our ministry. From, from singing little songs to them in the nursery to teaching them verse by verse in the high school or here, well, everything in between. We are going to live up to our commitment because as a leadership team, we're going to have to answer to God some way at the Bema seat of how we treated your kids. However, it's not our responsibility to raise them. While we're a place of instruction, it's only to the point to encourage you and to cooperate with you and to help you in raising your kids. You could say that this is a holy partnership, that God has placed us in community so that we might be built up. You know, my primary responsibility here as a pastor is to pray and to study the word of God in order to deliver it to you so that you might be built up to do the work of the ministry. That collectively we learn so that we might do and serve the Lord. We're literally partners with you. We're partnering with you, supporting you in your role to raise your kids and to train them up in the ways of Jesus. Jot this down, Proverbs chapter 22. You can go there if you like, but Proverbs chapter 22, notice with me in verse six. This is one of those foundational scriptures for parents. Proverbs 22, verse six. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. That's our responsibility. That Hebrew word that's translated train up has the idea of developing an appetite for. Train up. Point your kids in the way where they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let them learn within your home a desire to worship God. Remember we learned at the very beginning of our series, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That he will be center stage. That we will learn according to Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, that we will seek him first and his righteousness. And all these things will come to us. They will be added to us from the Lord. But singularly we must learn to worship him. To stimulate an appetite for God 
among our children so that as it takes root in your life, your kids are hungry for what you have. They're hungry for what you want. You, you have a responsibility to train your kids. Now, I know that there's a, a popular parenting technique. It's been with us for a while, but it seems to become more popular, and they always have a new phrase for it. They're calling it progressive now. This is the progressive way of parenting, and it sounds something like this. We are simply not going to parent our kids. We're just going to let them grow up and figure it out on, this, on their own. And that's real popular today. We're just going to let them choose their gender. We're going to let them choose this. And we're going to let them choose that. And, and it's just so inconsistent and not true. Nobody parents like that. It's a very selective way of parenting. Because I'll tell you what, if that same kid that's being given the choice to try this and try that and do all, if that kid came and said, hey, mommy, 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 I want, and here in Colorado, of course, but you pick the highway in your state. But here in Colorado, they go, mommy, I'm just going to go ride my bike on I-25. And I'm going to go back and forth to see how many cars I can dodge on I-25. No mom in their right mind would go, see you later, honey. Of course not. Are you, you're just like, no, we don't do that here. There are trails and it's safety. And there's always instruction. There's always, parents are always instructing. Here's the key. You're either instructing them in the ways of God or you're not. There is a right and wrong, church. There is a right way to do things and there is a wrong way to do things. There is a way of the Lord. that The Bible even says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And many people have adopted that in their parenting strategies. Can I ask you this? Who are you listening to? Who are you learning from in learning how to be a parent? Who's informing you? Who's teaching you? Is it the latest pop psychology that changes from year to year? Is it some YouTube guy or some YouTube gal, somebody on TikTok now that's telling you how to be a parent? Or are you learning from God's word how to train up your child in the way that he or she should go? There is a right way for our kids to go. And we are responsible to train them, to teach them, to help them. Because they're in a very vulnerable place. Can I just say, if it's hard for you right now, can you imagine what it's like for a kiddo? I mean, it's hard for you. It's hard for me to navigate through all the difficulties that this world throws. There's some new thing, always some new temptation, some new issue, some new difficulty. And it's like, man, it's overwhelming. If it's overwhelming for you, think about how your kids feel and how they're trying to process things at every level, every stage of development. There are times, you know, as we, God has given us these moldable, changeable, even unpredictable little persons for a short amount of time. It's just a short amount of time. I, I didn't used to believe that really. I mean, I teach you, oh, a short amount of time, but then I got kids in diapers. Well, guess what? They're not in diapers anymore. They grow up fast, very quickly. And those opportunities, you know, the, again, one of, the, one of the parenting strategies for many, many years was, well, you know, it's just, it's not the quanti quantity of time that's important, it's the quality of time. And they're teaching a whole generation of parents to spend very little time with their kids, but the little time they did, it's all about quantity. No, no, the Bible would teach the exact opposite. It's not just quality, it's quantity. You want to be with your kids. You do not want to abdicate the raising of your children to anyone else, period. That is not God's will for your life. Today, God is saying to some of you, you need to take the leadership of parenting back from whoever you gave it to. 
You don't want this world raising them. You, you don't want YouTube raising them. You don't want any of the, the cultural icons that continue to change all the time. You want your kids to love you. You want your kids to trust you. You want your kids to follow you. And you want to be the parent that can be followed. You want to enjoy your kids. You know, your kids are not your property. <laughs> They're not an annoyance. Please, for those of you that might even joke this way, don't ever in a million years ever tell your kids that they were an accident. There is no such thing as a kid that is an accident ever, never, ever. That child is yours by the will of God from the moment of conception. They're not an intrusion on your life. They're not an annoyance. They're not someone that's going to take away all that you thought life would give. They are a part of the fulfilling blessing of God in your life. God has given you your children. Yeah, it can be difficult. Yes, you might even be ready to give up. Parenting can get that way. I mean, parenting is just one of those things that can be the most fulfilling, joyful thing and the most challenging, hurtful thing. Because it's the closest relationship that you will have next to marriage on the earth. And so in deep, tight relationships, you have super levels of joy and happiness, and you also have super levels of sadness and grief. But parents, God is calling you to rise to the occasion. Yeah, you're doing a great job feeding them, clothing them, housing them, but you know, God has so much more. God desires you to feed them not only food, but God's word. God desires you not only to clothe them with clothes, but also to clothe them with prayer. Remind them of God's love. He wants your house not just to be a roof over their head, but to be a spiritual place of safety that honors God. Dorothy Law Nolte, she once wrote down these thoughts. If a child lives with criticism, he'll learn to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, she'll learn to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, she'll learn to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he'll learn to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he'll learn to be patient. And if a child lives with encouragement, she'll learn confidence. If a child lives with praise, she'll learn to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, she learns to like herself. And if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. Listen to those words. Criticism, hostility, ridicule, shame, tolerance, encouragement, praise, fairness, security, approval, acceptance, friendship. Some belong in our home, some need to go. We're shaping and molding our children both directly and indirectly every moment of every day. God's word has direction for you as a parent, and I'm grateful for that. I began parenting as an unbelieving teenager, very ill-equipped, and it showed. And you know, a lot of our parenting, let's just admit that a lot of our parenting had, had comes and has been influenced by the way we were parented. And that's why it's easy to start blaming our parents and look back and go, well, I am, I am, because of the way... I know that it was painful and hard for some of you in your parenting, but listen, I'm certain for the most part that your parents did the best that they could with what they had. And now here you are in a very similar place, 
doing the best that you can with what you have. But now God has taken a point in time and said, look, I, you can take the best that you have and add to it and grow and become better day by day. And I'm so grateful that God intervened in my life because I was a horrible teenage parent. I was a very rebellious young man, not valuing my girlfriend and my wife at the time, not valuing my son, my oldest. That poor guy had to take all kinds of, but then also with my other children, even as, an unbelie- as a believer, born again, I had to learn over and over what it meant like learning both by what I learned by reading and let the Holy Spirit, but you know, in a lot of ways I learned by mistakes, which is important as we continue on and look to Ephesians chapter six here. It's very important for you to listen because there's a couple topics that a pastor can share on that will always lead to the temptation of condemnation. Condemnation, beating yourself up. Because as you listen to some of the instruction, you go, oh man, I made that mistake, and oh, I've been a failure, and oh, I blew it, and you just start beating yourself up. That's not God's heart and intention for you at all. You know, a pastor could teach on prayer. Like if I decided to teach on prayer, we're like, oh man, I could pray more. I could always pray more. I'm a horrible prayer. Oh, okay, pastor, I'm going to pray more. And then you go out another week, and you're just overwhelming. Well, parenting is very similar. Because every single one of us, as parents, And even those of you that are future parents, but every single one of us as parents have failed miserably. Of course we have. We're human. We aren't perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to find challenges. We're going to have to unlearn some things that we grew up with. Or those of you that maybe didn't have a mom or a dad or you're product of a divorce or on and on, the trauma and difficulty and pain that you carry, if you're not careful, gets passed over. But now the Holy Spirit's saying, no, I want to heal you there. I want to teach you there. And so don't allow a Bible study on parenting to immediately turn off the receptors because you've made mistakes. Just know you're in a room You're uh, connected with a radio audience and everybody. We have all failed as parents. And God, by his grace, all of us, we parent by the grace of God. There isn't one among us who's like, well, you know what? I'm the perfect parent. Come on now. Bring your kids up here. We're going to ask them. (laughs) You parent by the grace of God. You you know, and I've met, I have met some really, really, really good parents in our church. Better, so much better than me. And I'm like, that encourages me. And I've also met some very difficult situations in parenting that have made mistakes that I've never made before, and it's sunk my heart. But whether good or bad, middle of the road, the Holy Spirit is going to enable you to fulfill what his will is in your life for your children. So notice with me in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to pick up with verse 1 because that's where we left off. You know, we covered this last time, so it all goes together when he addresses children. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And here's the instruction for parents, verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So basically there are two instructions for parents. Addressing the fathers primarily, we'll get to that in a second, but parents in general. Two instructions, a negative one and a positive one. 
The negative one is don't provoke your kids to anger. Or you could say also frustration. You could also say resentment. Or you could also say discouragement. Don't provoke your kids that leads to anger, frustration, resentment, or discouragement. Be careful. Don't do that. And then secondly, do bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's, that begins with their home in the Lord, of the Lord, to the Lord. Like your home, you, you don't just say you're a Christian home. You don't just talk about it. You just live it out. You live out your faith in Christ in your home, your home, what God has entrusted to you so that your kids live in an atmosphere of love and grace. Let me read to you this verse, verse four in the New Living Translation. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. There's a parallel passage in Colossians, if you want to jot it down, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, where it says, fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In the New Living, it says, fathers, don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. So don't provoke them. Don't aggravate them. And do bring them up in discipline and instruction. Do nurture them. So he says fathers. Did you notice that? This is, I believe, a direction to you dads primarily. Dads, don't provoke your kids. Because dads, you lead the home. You are the leader. We learned that last time as a husband. Husband is the head of the wife. You lead the home. You're responsible for your home. Now remember, as you're the head, Jesus is the head of you. So you get your orders from him. It's not independent where you're just like the boss and screaming and yelling. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. You are under submission to your heavenly father and then you live in a life where those around you lovingly are in submission to you. So there's mutual submission. But dads, this is a specific direction to you. Don't provoke your kids. Don't provoke them. And I think of the ways that I used to do that with my oldest son before I got saved. You know, slapping him on the back of the head, making fun of him, come on, be a man. That type of stuff was all over my house. And the Bible says, don't do that. I remember the first time reading it. I'd never read this before in my life. And I'm reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like a mirror. I'm, I, everything I've been doing with my son, I need to stop. I need to make a decision. Like, that needs to stop. God, I need your help. Because I hope I haven't, I, I hope I haven't gone too far. You know, fortunately, it was a young age, but I can say this. It doesn't matter what age your kids are right now. It's never too late to stop the sin and do the right thing. Never too late, ever. Never too late. But I tell you, stopping without repenting will not work. Because it's not behavior modification God's after. He's after your heart. Like that loyal love that you have for God. Because when you love God, you're going to love the people around you. You're going to value them. You know, your kiddos, they're not your property. They have been created in the image of God. They've been entrusted to you for a short amount of time. They are God's children. They, they, they are for him. They are from him and to him. They're not our kids. They're his kids. And so dads, in the role that you have, in the firm authoritative role that you have, don't neglect your kids. You know, I do think it applies to moms, but I have to say, 
as you observe moms, there's something natural about a mom in the nurturing care she has for her kids, to do whatever the kids need to be done, to live in a deep sense of self-sacrifice, to care for kids, to mend them, support them, love them, be up late at night, nurse them, change their diet. Like there's something about for you moms that have a nine-month head start on us. Or you bring a child into your home through adoption or foster care, that natural instinct that God has given you to nurture children, man, it just, it, it is, it is not, it's not so common for the moms to be provoking their kids as much as is the dad. However, this is for both of us, that we might love our kids and train them well. Don't provoke them. If you're looking for things that provoke your kids, let me give you a list. There's a lot of things, but let me give you a list of 10 things to watch out for in your home when it comes to provoking your children. Number one, provocation comes from smothering your children. Never giving them a chance to take, to, never giving them an opportunity to take chances. You know, the world values this. You know what they call it? Helicopter parenting, where you're just always hovering over your kids, never giving them a chance to grow. The world says, yay, God says no. And you gotta learn this. He says, well, you know, it was on the Today Show, and it was so great. They were so great. That's what I want. I want to control my kids. You can't. You need to trust the Lord with your kids. Prepare them. Let them move. Let them grow up. You're training them, but you can't control them. Number two, favoritism. When you favor one kid over the other, it provokes them to wrath and resentment. Thirdly, when you compare your kids with one another, well, you know, so-and-so is much better than you and you'll never amount to anything. Man, that is such a provocation to resentment and anger in your kids. It discourages them. Number four, pushing their achievement beyond reasonable bounds. You know how this, this comes out in primarily two ways, through academics and sports. You know, when, when a, a dad says, well, you know, one day I'm going to be that football star, but it didn't happen, but now you have a boy and you're trying to make him the football star that you never, you never attained to. And by the way, your kid doesn't want to be one. He wants to be an artist. But instead you're pushing and pushing and pushing. Same with academics. You know, maybe in your life, the way your life went out, you didn't get to go to school and you didn't get your degrees, but you're going to make sure your kids get what you didn't want when they don't even want that. They want to be a fisherman. <laughs> it's like, you're going to make a living a fisherman. No, just let them find that out for themselves. The Lord will be, you be, you got to be careful not to provoke them. Let me give you another one. Uh, number five is just plain discouragement. If, you're, if your home is an atmosphere of discouragement, then you are provoking them and aggravating them to more discouragement, to more anger. Number six, failing to make your child feel wanted. This one frustrates me a lot. Uh, as I hear it among the church, where you treat your kids like they're an intrusion on your life, like they're an interruption of what you really want to do. No, your kids, they are God's gift to you. They're not an intrusion. Sure, you maybe have to make a left turn now and a right turn, and now your kids become a priority in your life. That's just called adulthood. It's just the way it is. They're not an intrusion. How about this one? Number seven, using love as a tool for reward and punishment. That would really frustrate your kids. Where you love them when they do what you want, you withhold affirmation and love when they don't do what you want. It really, really crushing your kids. How about this, number eight, failing to let them grow up a normal life. Just letting them grow and develop as you're training them in the ways of the Lord, discovering 
Instead of determining for them, you have to take a place, parents, of discovering what God has put inside of your kids. And if you don't, you'll make them really upset and frustrated. How about this? Number nine, physical and verbal abuse. Should I even say that? Let me just say it out loud. It is never, ever, ever, never, ever okay to physically or verbally abuse your children. Never. Absolutely not. You need to unlearn that behavior, repent of it, stop it immediately. If you need to turn yourself into the police, do that too. But those kids are not to be abused. It needs to stop. How about number 10? Teasing and taunting them, making fun of them. That will hurt your kids. You know, when it comes to abuse, here, here's the thing. You, many parents make this mistake. Even Christian parents make this mistake. They confuse compliance with obedience. And it reaffirms bad behavior. Let me show you, tell you what I mean. Your kids are disobeying, getting into whatever they're doing. Maybe even outright disobedience like rebellion. And so what is a parent? The parent gets loud, gets angry. Maybe your home is an atmosphere of anger. Perhaps not abusing your kids, but you're punching holes in the wall. You're screaming, you're yelling. And, and finally, your kid just finally stops what they're doing. And you interpret that as obedience. But I want to paint a picture for you. You're big. Your kids are small. I mean, you tower over them. You, you have more authority than they do. You have more power than they do. God has entrusted to you much in a child's life so that when you get loud and when you start yelling and when you start demanding and when your house is just simply out of control, when your kid, your, your kid is just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to be in a safe place so they stop that. And so they change their behavior. But they're not obeying you. They're scared of you. That's not obedience. You've scared them to death. And you do that all the time. They're just looking for a way to readapt their lives so you'll calm down. Because they don't know what's next. They don't know what's up ahead. Their little world's already in turmoil and now mom and dad are flipping out or mom's flipping out or dad's flipping out. And they're already in turmoil. It's like, okay, okay. Okay, whatever you want. I'll take out the trash. I'll clean my room. Just, okay, calm down. Of course, you don't give them the freedom to say that. They're not going to say it for the most part. But through their behavior, if this is you, this is a word from God to you, don't confuse compliance with obedience. Your bombasting, yelling, screaming is not working. It's not accomplishing what you really want. What you really want is a loving relationship with your kids. What you're getting is a hardened heart and a kid that's going to resent you the rest of their lives. Because the atmosphere for growth, just like it is with spiritual growth, the atmosphere for physical growth is love. Love changes. Love helps. Grace is able to cover our mistakes. But just because they're listening to you when you yell at them doesn't mean it's okay to yell. Consider where they're at, even if they're a little bit older. Well, you know, they're a little bit older. They're even bigger than me. Yeah, but you have all the cards. It's not like they can leave tomorrow and have everything that they have with you. They're still in a process of development. And some of you listening to me right now need to repent. Others of you need to watch out for this in your own life. Because our kids, we only have for a short time and then it's over. He says now in verse 4, instead of provoking them, he says, bring them up 
in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Instead of provoking them, he says, nurture them. And you might be surprised at the root of that word. It literally means to discipline them. It's the same word we learn in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, where it says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. There is discipline and instruction that's needed in our homes. Correction, reproof, encouragement are all involved and on occasion a need to bring strong discipline to our children so that they might grow in the ways of the Lord. Dads, you're the chief discipliner. And as it's important to pause here as well for you single parents. We're not going to do a whole separate message for single parents. But if you are a single parent today, then everything I've shared with you, you can just multiply by two because you're, you're doing double time. And we commend you for taking the load of raising your children on your own. It's hard enough when you have a husband or wife in the home, but now having to do it on your own, it's super, super challenging. It's very, very hard. And as you're reading these things, you go, well, wait a minute, I'm a single mom. Who's the dis- you're going to have to step into this role. Well, I'm a single dad and I don't have that nurturing. You're going to have to step into that role by the grace of God. He will help you along the way. It's unfortunate. It's not God's best, but that's the way it is today. So you've got to embrace your role and embrace the responsibilities that God has entrusted to you until it changes. And rather than causing your child to question your love, you must bring about discipline. That is another popular cultural parenting technique. Well, we don't discipline our kids. Well, you're hurting them. How can you possibly tell them, how can you possibly reflect to them that you love them if you don't bring discipline into their life? If you don't teach them along the way what's right and wrong, I mean, think of another illustration. Your kiddo goes, you know, dad, dad, I just, I found a, I found a lighter and I've got some wood here. So I'm just going to start a little fire in my room and see what fire does. Okay, son, let me know how it goes. No, first of all, you're going to go, where did you get that lighter? And where did you get this thought? And you're going to take the phone out of his hand. No more TikTok for you. And you're going to tell him, no, we don't play with fire. You're, you're going to tell your kid that. No, we don't play with fire. We don't play with fire in the house. There's a proper purpose for fire, and this is how we use it, in the fireplace, on the stove. But you're six. You will never use it. You're not ready. You know, there are times, like, even as you have different children, that you treat your different children differently. You know why? They're different. But your kids go, oh, that's not fair. You let so, yeah, but they're different. They have a different level of maturity. So, you know, well, you know, my brother, he got to drive early because he was more responsible at this age. That's what we're looking for in you. We're looking for responsibility. Well, I don't understand, Dad. And then you already know because along the way, you've been working through them in discipline. But so many parents are afraid. They're afraid of their kids. There's another parenting technique today that is absolutely not from the Lord. And that is, well, you know what? I'm just going to be the popular mom and I'm going to be the best friend of my kids. That's I'm going to be the best friend of my kids. No, no, no. You Listen, listen. You cannot be the best friend of your kids until you raise them. Then you can be their best friend. You can't just be buddy-buddy with them. Oh, you know, we're going to go partying. I'll take my son with me. That's a popular thing. It's more popular than you think. I'll just have him with me and we're going to be buddies. He's turned 16. I'm going to show him the world. No, you got to raise him in the ways of the Lord. You raise your kids first. Then your best buddies. Oh, don't misunderstand me. 
We want to have a friendly, loving, caring relationship with our kids. But your kids are your kids. You have a responsibility, parents, to train and discipline them along the way. Yeah, but if I say something, they won't like me. They're really not going to like you if they live in a home with no discipline and they grow up and get in big trouble and then look back and go, why didn't mom and dad ever tell me this? It's important to take this responsibility. The Bible tells us that because God loves us, he disciplines us. It's a proof of love. Not abuse, not out of control, anger yourself, but true discipline. Let me give you some signs of discipline as we close. Let me give you some signs of what good discipline is and what abuse might. Let's look at abuse first. Looking at words that describe when you're abusing your kids, think of it this way. Unfair or unrealistic expectations lead toward abuse. Degrading or demoralizing behavior toward your children. Being extreme, being harsh, being brutal. I even found a definition of of abuse that included the word torturous. Being torturous with your children. When you are disciplining, motivated out of your own anger or resentment or impatience with your children can lead to abuse. Creating a terrorized environment in your home can be seen as abuse. Emotionally damaging your children, screaming at them, yelling at them, of course, putting your hands upon them, destroying a, spirit, a child's spirit. These were all words described as people were describing abuse. Here's signs of real godly discipline. That includes fair, firm, consistent, and expected rules, or fair, firm, and consistent expectations in the home, which includes communication. Communicating ahead of time, what's expected? and being fair with it, upholding your child's dignity and respect, being balanced in your approach, having things done within limits. Discipline can include something that's painful but not abusive. Discipline includes leading your children to have a healthy respect for authority and for you. Uh, Signs of true godly discipline is strengthening your child's spirit, not crushing them. There is a profound difference, and I learned this from the James Dobson book myself, personally. This is where I learned it from. There is a profound difference between crushing the spirit and shaping the will. I literally did not know that with my kids, that there is a profound difference between shaping their will and the way they make decisions and crushing their little spirits. Jot it down in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, it says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. One of the ultimate responsibilities of discipline is to build up a child's love and inner strength to give him or her the security and self-confidence that will provide a dependence upon the Holy Spirit throughout the remaining years of their lives. We are both modeling and teaching them how to love God and how to love others while avoiding the pain and the stain of sin. 
And remember, there is a difference between normal childhood behaviors and rebellion or defiance. Some parents define everything as rebellion when in reality, it's probably just simple childhood silliness and childishness. It's not rebellion at all. Kids are just being kids. Every growing child needs space where he or she can discover, learn, make mistakes, and experience all the other things involved in growing into maturity. Sure, at times there is flathood, rebellion, and defiance, but it's probably not as much as you think as they're continuing to test the limits to learn what's accepted and what's not accepted. Appropriate discipline will help our children along the way learning how to obey and submit to mom and dad. But even more so, true discipline is preparing your children how to live when they're not with you. You're training your children how to make the same godly decisions when they're not with you. When they're with you, you can help them with those decisions, but you realize there's a day. I mean, some of you, it's already come. You've dropped them off at school. You've dropped them off at daycare. You've dropped them off at a friend's house. You've given them a phone. Their whole life is lived apart from you. And so as you're training them, you want to train them to make the same decisions you would make for them in their absence, in your absence. That's, That's true godly discipline. You're wanting, when they're away from you, you're wanting them to process their situation and say, okay, this is how I was trained. This is how I was taught. This is what I will do. I will choose God and I will say no to sin. And you want to teach them, just like you and me, we want to learn to do that more often than not. So that when we do choose to sin, it's far less. So parents, do children know how much, do your kids know how much you love God? Let me answer that question for you. They do. They do already know. If you are scale one to 10, you are a God lover at 10, they know that. And on a scale one to 10, if you're a God lover down at two or one, they know that too. Your love for God is evident in your home. All your kids do is watch you. All they do is pick up on your nuances and they watch you. Partly because they don't know what to do and they don't know how to live. And they could turn to YouTube. They could turn to a book or a friend at school. But you have the greatest influence in their life given to you by God. Take it seriously. You know, do your kids know how much you love them? In a very real way, they do. And it's never too late to increase and grow in these areas. Maybe today, it's time for you to get down on your knees, depending on what the eye level of your kid is, look them in the eye and ask your child for forgiveness. To have a real heart-to-heart, maybe take a walk in the park or go out to lunch today with your kids and talk to them about your parenting and your love for God, your love for them. You know, you might be thinking, well, that's just like awkward. Like, I've never done that before. It's only awkward until it's not. It's a powerful thing. I, I grew up in a home where I, I didn't get any apology uh, from my mom. 
that I can remember at least. Maybe she's in heaven now. She's probably yelling down, yes, I did. Yes, I did. But I don't recall it. I do recall being a very rebellious, very hard child to have. But I don't recall her ever just saying, you know what, I blew it. And it's something I learned in my own life with my, all of my kids, even recently with one of them, making a mistake and looking him in the eye and asking for forgiveness. That's what real relationship is. It's not, I'm the dad and you're the kid. They already know that. They just want a relationship with you. They already know you have the authority. They already know that you uh, brought them into this world and you could take them out. We already know. (laughs) What they want is love, care, and concern that you already have. It's there. Perhaps you just need to learn how to surrender your life to the Lord so that you might then surrender it to loving and caring and training your kids. Look, we blow it. Don't let the enemy condemn you. You know, even though we blow it, I'm not the perfect model of parenting. Don't follow me. They're not the perfect model. We have a perfect heavenly father. That's the picture that God used to describe our relationship with him. He's our father and we're his kids. All of us, by faith, are God's children. And we blow it for sure. But we have a father that's selfless and sacrificial. We have a father that gave his very very best for us so we could be our very best. We have a father that nurtures us, instructs us, teaches us, disciplines us. He never gives up on us, always encouraging us to higher levels of love and grace and faith. God is, our father is faithful. He is reliable. He's dependable. He's consistent. He will never abandon us. He'll never walk out on us. He'll never turn his back upon us. We have a perfect model if we will just surrender to him. Yes, we're going to blow it. We are going to continue to blow it in the home. We make mistakes, we say the wrong words, we do the wrong things, but God is ready to forgive. He's ready to help you, ready to support you. So go home today, humble yourself before your kids, ask them for forgiveness, hug them, love them, affirm them in Jesus. With all the books and all the seminars, all the packets and pamphlets and raising kids, the Holy Spirit just gives us a few words. It says, parents, do this. Don't provoke your kids. Nurture them, love them, train them in my way. Even though you're a parent today, maybe you are a parent, you're still a kid. That's something we all share. Even if some of us are parents, we're all kids today. And we can relate to what it is being a kid. Now let me come back to, as the worship team comes back, let me come back to this. Remember we saw in the Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he won't depart from it. You can read that a couple different ways. Usually it's read this way. Well, if I do all the right things as a parent and I do my best, my kids will never stray away and never prodigal. That's not what that text is saying. I think it's better to read it this way. Train up a child in the way it should go, and when he is old, he won't depart permanently. Jesus gave us, he gave us, he affirmed that, I believe, when he gave us the parable of the prodigal son. And we see that every true prodigal comes home. So you look at your kids and go, you didn't end up the way I wanted, Ed. And they're over here rebelling. And they're over here. I know it's super painful. It's really hard. But we never give up. We pray them home. We pray. And and there'll be times when I'm up here, I'll pray it for you because it's hard for you to pray it. And I'll pray it for you. And it's hard for me to pray it. But I'll come alongside in faith and I'll say, God, whatever it takes, bring them home. Whatever it takes. 
And so as you leave here today, you can't leave all beat up and bent out of shape because of the failures in your life. We all have them, every single one of us. But the Lord is so faithful and good to help us recover from our failures and our weaknesses, to pray for the prodigals, to continue to train up our kids in the way they should go. That's our responsibility. To continue to pray for the kids that don't want to talk to us. They don't want to connect with us. They don't want to be in church anymore. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to come out of their room. Whatever it might be. They might be caught up in drugs and alcohol and the party scene. They got a whole new set of friends. But you know, Jesus said, there comes a time when the prodigal loses all their friends. And when they have nothing left, what do they think? You know what? I think I'll go home to dad. I'd rather be a servant in my dad's house than living the way I am right now. So we want to remember the prodigals. We want to remember that we've all failed. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. More than anything, when we think of parenting today, we want to think, we want to remember that God is good and greatly to be praised. And he is with you, parents. He will be with you until the very end. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for the privilege of being reminded of your goodness and your graciousness. I pray for the pain and the hurt. I pray specifically as I just felt that burden for those, those young men and women that want to be parents, but maybe have experienced a miscarriage or unable to conceive. It's just been so hard for them. I pray you'd encourage them. I pray for our single parents doing double duty. It's so hard. I pray for those that have prodigals. It's just so painful, Lord. And, and a thousand different things that have uh, hurt our hearts. I pray more than anything that for the parents that need to change their mind and change their ways, confess their sin and learn how to parent a different way, I pray they would choose to do that today, right now. You'll meet them right where they are and the improvement has already begun as you grab and grasp another heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.